morning. Good morning, Summit. How are we? Man, am I loud? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Holy Spirit's already moving. It's awesome. All right. Hey, as Mark mentioned, my name is Tim. I am our Whitesburg campus pastor. Uh, so let me give you a little update what God has been doing uh, in Whitesburg. So at the end of July, we will be there three years. Um, so in this um, three-year period, we have seen God um, break addictions. We have seen God um, heal. We have seen God restore relationships that if I'm honest, I didn't think would be any hope of happening. But, but probably the most amazing thing we have witnessed, we have seen God save and rescue people every month um, since we've gone there. And we have been able to, uh, to partner up with organizations um, in Letcher County. And just a couple of weeks ago, we were able to buy shoes uh, for a transitional house. And two weeks ago, we had a kid, uh, early teens, come because some church loved him enough to buy him shoes. And then last week, he gave his life to Jesus. So, yeah, glory to God. You see, that doesn't happen if it wasn't for you. Um, I want to thank you as our Weisberg pastor for your generosity. Because you give, because not only did you believe in the vision that we have to reach unchurched and dechurched people, uh, to be a church that plants other churches, that you actually did something about it and you see it. It matters. And you have good-looking brothers and sisters in the Lord in Letcher County who thank you, who you may not see this side of things, but you made a difference. And I just want to thank you for that. I was really nervous about this week because last time I traveled to speak somewhere, other than Whitesburg, it did not go well at all. Um, we have two dogs. We have Hank. Um, he's about 90 pounds. We have Cooper. He weighs about six. So just like any good dog parent would do before you leave the house, you tell the boys to be good, that you love them, and to take care of the house. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, they're not kids. You're right. They're better. Because they mind me, and they're always happy to see me when I come home. My kids are not always happy to see me when I come home, but my dogs are. So I'll get ready to bend down and give them some love. So when I lean down, Hank jumps up, and he hits my chin. And it makes my teeth click together. The only problem was my tongue was in the way. I bit both sides of my tongue to the point that it bled. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, this ain't good. My tongue began to swell. So the only thing I could think of was I need some ice. So I run to the freezer. I grab some ice. Have you ever just tried to hold ice in your mouth? It hurts as much as biting your tongue. So instead of spitting it out like somebody normally would do, I began to try to chew it as fast as I could, swallowing half of it. Do you know what happens when you throw up ice? It's weird, man, because you would think that it would melt. It does not. So here I am, bent over the kitchen sink, gagging, and then when I look in the mirror, my eyes are bloodshot red, and my tongue is about that thick. And I'm getting ready to go speak to a bunch of pastors and church leaders. This is not a good look for us as a church. So this morning when I left the house, I said, all right, boys, keep your distance. Daddy loves you, all right, and I'll be back. Don't take this personal. But I'm a little bit worried, to be honest with you, because they're a little about spiteful. And I'm afraid if I hurt his feelings that he'll leave me a gift when I come home, if you know what I'm saying. Um, man, let's pray. I think today's, um, here's what I know. And this is what I have to say. 
Um, they can be honest with you uh, about where you're at with God. Uh, I, I believe if we're honest today, I believe God can speak into some things that when we walk out of here will be different. And isn't that the goal? That, that we meet Jesus and, 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 and he, we encounter him and then we walk away from him that we're different? I really believe that can happen today. So would you pray with me? Jesus, I just thank you for this opportunity. And God, I just ask, Lord, that this moment that we just seal our mouths. And you would speak into the deep parts of our heart. The parts that we want to neglect, the parts that we don't want to discuss, and but you do because you want more for us. And, and God, that, I just pray we're different today. I pray you meet us exactly where we are. And then when we walk out of here, we walk out of here different. In Jesus' beautiful name, and everybody said, amen. Um, I am a hopeless romantic. Um, I love the Hallmark Channel, um, especially Christmas movies. I know the plot's always the same. It's the overworked woman leading the business and kind of the, the free-flowing the free, free guy. And all of a sudden, they find love. And I love that because I know how it's going to end. I love a good romance comedy movie. Don't judge me. I feel, I feel some of y'all judging me because of the Hallmark comment, all right? This is a, this is a judgment-free place here, okay? Safe place for me. But I love it. I believe every one of us, we love a good love story. Think about all the songs about love, TV shows, movies about it. See, everyone deep down wants that love story. We want what we see in, in the notebook and in Titanic. And can we go ahead and address something real quick that Rose straight up murders Jack? She does, man. She just straight up murders him. But other than that, we want that love story. We want that one person to do life with. We want that ride or die, us against the world. And that's what I'd like to do with you this morning. I'd, I'd like to share a love story with you. Um, we met when I was in high school. Um, it started out kind of innocent. It was just really flirty. It was small talk. And, but you could just feel something. I mean, there was just an electricity there. But it, but it was nothing serious, and we stayed in contact, and, and we had the same group of friends, and if we would have been out, then we would always ask about each other and check in on each other, and, and we just, we always just stayed in touch. And then in college, we would catch up, and, and it always seemed like when, when we were together, she had a lot more going on in her life than I did. And it was just exciting, and it would just, just draw me into her. See, spending time with her was magical. It, it, it made the boring, everyday things in life seem tolerable, and, and I felt alive when we were together. And, and she gave me a feeling I really never had before that, and it was just joy. And, and I didn't want it to end, but kind of like most things, it runs its course. But in those moments we were together, I felt complete. I, I felt safe with her. And, and then one summer we ran into each other after college, and we would have these breaks, but yet we would always find each other again. So this has got to be love, right? I mean, it has to be. The, the time apart, it really didn't matter. When we got together, it's like we picked up where we first started off, like the old times. It was just, it was just great. And so we decided what we would do, that we would try to be exclusive. We had to see where things would go. And for a while, I had everything that I wanted. I felt complete. I had peace. I had joy. It was exciting. It was new. But it didn't take long before I seen this different side to her. That she become very controlling and made me feel like I was completely dependent upon her. That she would tell me who I could talk to and who I would hang out with. And it was really no longer about us having a good time being with each other. It was more about her. I'm not saying it's all her fault. I have my part in this. But the things began to drastically change for me. I, I was... I was doing things differently than I ever have. 
And I didn't understand, how could she not see my commitment to her? How much I loved her, wanted to be with her. I altered everything. I severed relationships. I would burn bridges. I would manipulate. I would lie. If she would have told me, I would have stole from her. He he did not love me at all. He was abusive. And then when she had a need for me, she wanted to drop me. And I kept saying, Why, why would you do this to me? After everything we've been through, all this time together, and you do me like that. See, the reality was it wasn't a love story. It turned into a nightmare. I just couldn't seem to wake up from. Man, I didn't know what to do. I knew that I loved her, but she didn't love me. And see, my life had come unraveled just in a downward spiral. People used to hang out with me and talk to me. wouldn't do that any longer. So I found this other group of people I could talk to. It didn't seem like it was a real relationship, but then I began to notice that everyone in the room, we had similar stories. I mean, if they fell in love, if they were just head over heels, 100% sold out in love, and it was the worst thing that ever happened to them, too. I did not get out of anybody's life. See, the very thing that I loved the most tried to kill me. See, drugs was my love. It was my passion. It was my desire. It was my everything. See, I turned my back on my family and people who would love me. One of the most difficult things to do in life is to love someone and act like they did you. See, what used to be important to me was my relationship with Jesus, and I turned my back on him, the very one who saved and rescued me. So how do you reconcile and navigate through that? See, I, I would love to stand here and say, man, recovery was easy, and it was great, and I just met God through it all. It was horrible, especially early on. It's a difficult thing to look at yourself to be honest about who you really are. To, to try to address the deep things in your heart of why you do the things that you, you do and why you think the way that you think. And it come with a whole lot of horror. So how could Jesus love me again? I mean, how, I mean, how could he? I mean, I turned my back on him. I knew what the right thing to do. In every situation, every circumstance, I knew what I needed to do, but I made the decision not to do it. Because most times the right thing to do is the hardest, and it's why we don't. See, I always thought that Jesus' love and acceptance of me was based on my performance. That Jesus loves the good ones. That he loves all the ones who can keep the rules. See, and I was, growing up, I was taught and believed that really what it meant to follow Jesus boiled down to three things. Don't cuss, don't drink beer, and don't have sex before marriage. And if I'd done those things, then me and Jesus was good. So now I go completely off the rails on drugs. So what do I have to do now to earn his love? What, 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 how hard do I have to work? How long is this going to hold me back? Or would Jesus even love me again? And then I read a passage, and it was Luke 23. And if you want to join me, you can. Uh, if not, the words will be up. But Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that was called the skull, there they crucified him. Then the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself now. If he is the Christ, the God, he is chosen now. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, for you are under the same sentence of condemnation. For we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. So this is the crucifixion of Jesus. This would have been a spectacle outside of Jerusalem. Everybody is gathered around to see this, that Jesus is in the middle, and he has two other guys with him that are being crucified. You have the religious leaders looking at him, mocking him, saying, you said that you can save other people. Why don't you save yourself if you're the chosen one? If you really are who you say you are, then do something about it. And then you have the Roman soldiers, the same thing. So are you really are the king of the Jews. Won't you come out there and do something? And here, by the way, here's some wine to try to get that thirst down so we can torture you a little bit longer. As that wasn't bad enough, and then one of the criminals beside him begins to mock him, saying, listen, are you are the chosen one, then get off there and take us with you. And then the other criminal says, what are you doing, man? See, you and I, we're here because we've done some things. We deserve what we're getting, but not this guy. He didn't do anything. And then in verse 42, he makes this really simple statement, but it's beyond profound. But he essentially looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's the most ridiculous part of all this conversation is what Jesus' reply is in verse 43. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What do you mean today you will be with me? This goes against everything I've heard. For here this criminal, he is getting what he deserves. He is guilty, and he is getting the punishment for it. And he can look at Jesus and say, remember me? And Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in heaven, today. Where's this guy's list at? What kind of work does he have to put in here? Where's his time? So how does this happen? One word, grace. That's what the gospel is all about. As brutal as the cross was, it is a love story. It is about a loving Savior who realized what you and I need more than anything that's on earth was sin. And what we look for and try to put in other people and other things can only be found in him. That he alone is what our hearts cry for. That he took our sin, our shame, he lived the perfect thing. He paid the bill that none of us could. So why did Jesus come? He wasn't to condemn things that matter. Listen, I didn't come to condemn the world, even though I can. No, no, I come to save and rescue you. See, Jesus came to save us from sin, from hell, from death. He came to save us from ourselves. You see, the gospel is not clean yourself up first, work out your issues, make sure everything is in order, and then come to Jesus. See, the message of the gospel, that Jesus comes to us, that he meets us in the middle of our junk, that he meets us in our dysfunction, that he meets us in our lies, and he meets us in our hypocrisy. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do to earn this or deserve this, but you do have a response to make, and it's simply to believe that he done it for you. See, it's personal here. That Jesus died for the real you. The you at your very worst moment. And all the times you've done something or you've said something that you pray no one finds out about, because if they did, it would change how they look at you. I'm 
you come up with things that you're going to take to the grave with you. And only people who know is you and God. This is who Jesus died for. Not you as your very pretend fake self. Not you as an Instagram version of you, but the real you. So if you ever had this thought, how, how can, can somebody really love me? I mean the real me. Well, the, the part of me is I don't want to show anybody. The you without walls put up, the you with no guards, the real you. Can somebody love me? Jesus loves you. And don't go through the public humiliation, the torture, and the agony of death on a cross for a group of people who want nothing to do with you and really do not love you unless, unless you are all in 100% unity and love. wrap our head on this high up. Because guess what? Because the truth is, it's hard enough to love someone who actually loves you back. But to love someone who doesn't love you, who doesn't want anything with you? See, like Jesus' words and moments is the very thing that allows us to experience his love and his grace. It is the greatest love story of all time. And it goes through all eternity. I don't know where you're at in this whole spiritual journey or if you even believe in this whole Jesus thing. But it doesn't change the fact that he died for you. And that you are more loved in this moment than you can possibly imagine. And it's the love that he bears for the church. And it's through the guy we see that we're strengthened. So, so, what, do, so what do we do? How can we accept this love? We do the same thing as the sinner on the cross. That we acknowledge our sin and our hopelessness and our complete despair without him. And we ask him to save and rescue us. See, there's some of you here this morning, and you need to get reacquainted with Jesus' love for you. See, it's really easy to lose sight of that, especially in those moments when we fail and blow it. See, if you don't remember his love for you, then you're not going to run to him. You're going to start working harder. Because you've got to make up for your sin. So, so, so you're going to read a little more. You're going to pray a little longer. You're going you're to give a little bit. And you may even serve in kids. And you hate kids. But you're going to serve there. Why? Because look what I've done, Jesus. You see how much I want back in. You see how much I love you. I'm serving in kids, and I hate them. Or in those moments that you fail and blow it, you don't run to him. You run from him because you don't believe that you're forgiven. Because the thought is, there's no way he could really love me after what I've done, after what I've said, after what I'm involved in right now. How can he possibly love me? You need to hear me. If you are a follower of Jesus, your past sins, your current sins, your future, the ones you haven't committed yet but you're going to, it's covered. But Jesus loves us through it all. And he doesn't regret it. None of it. That he loves us through our failures and through our inconsistencies and through our hypocrisy. Praise him forever that he banked all of this on himself and not on me to earn or deserve it. Because my life is a constant theme of I can't. And Jesus' life is a theme of that he did. See, it is his love for us that allows us to walk in freedom. Love produces freedom. Not fear, not condemnation. And the enemy wants to keep you trapped in believing you have to earn this. That you need to work for it. If you want his forgiveness, his acceptance, his approval, you've got to put your time in. 
of when you're busy worrying about things, you're not busy living. And the enemy knows that you're going to stumble and he knows that you're going to fail and he wants to keep you trapped there and not have your focus on the cross. Those of you who place your faith in Jesus, when you wake up every morning, you have nothing to prove. Nothing. You have nothing to prove to God that you deserve this, that you've earned this approval in this world. No, what you have is something so much better. When you wake up every morning, you have purpose. That you can live a life full of the power of the Holy Spirit. To be part of his kingdom, because there's a lot to him. And everything you do inside the kingdom has plans for eternity. Nothing is wasted inside God's kingdom. So he purchased our forgiveness. He paid the debt. Because of his blood that we're able to be bound with the sons of God. And that way when God looks at you, he sees you as holy. He sees you as one, not because you are, but because Jesus is. You can walk in freedom with him. And if some of you just want to grab a hold of that and believe that truth, it completely changes everything about your life. Because you don't have to pretend to be somebody that you're not. You can just be. And you can just breathe. And it's the greatest thing on earth. It's because of his great love for us. That's why we want to give you that up. See, following Jesus is not about success. You have to know that. It's not about success. Following Jesus is about salvation. He is our perfection. He has a real simple command for us. And it's just to simply follow him. So that's the question on the table this morning. What has it looked like? What has following Jesus looked like in your life this morning? See, for some of you, is it to let go of trying to earn and deserve God's love? And I'll just be honest with you, that puts a pressure on you. That puts a pressure on you that you simply can't live it. You can't do it. And every one of us deep down know that's the truth, and it's why you want to quit if you haven't already. Because you don't believe Jesus worked for you. And it's why you haven't seen a breakthrough in your life, why you haven't seen God really work in power in your life. And I believe that God brought you here this morning to encourage you that he's had a hold of you this entire time, but you've been so busy that you can't see it. Don't quit. Don't quit. And for some of you, the step to follow Jesus is to begin a relationship with him for the very first time. See, it's in following Jesus that we find purpose, that we find meaning, that we get unconditional love. The very things that our heart desires, if you remove all of our material comforts, purpose, love, joy, and peace is what we all want. And Jesus said, I can give that to you today. All of it. All you have to simply do is follow me. Take a little walk with him. What do you need to let go of today? What are you holding on to? What part of you haven't you laid down to Jesus? Are you guilty of living this life that no one knows about? Are you involved in things that if people found out that the bottom would fall out of life? He went to the cross for that. And he simply asked you just to let it go and lay it down. You see, following Jesus looks like this. We take a few steps, we stumble, we trip, and we fall. And we get back up. We confess and we repent and we get back up. 
And we take a few more steps, and we stumble, and we fall, and we confess, and we repent, and we get back up. And Jesus the entire time is saying, you're walking. You're walking. It's about the steps. See, condemnation wants to keep you lost, and you'll never do this. You'll never figure this out. This isn't for you. And conviction is a loving reminder. You know what? i got more for you. I really do. Why don't you lay down what you got going on? Why don't you come walk with me for a while? It is a loving thing because he has more for you. What do you need to lay down? What does following Jesus look like for you? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. If that means you want to come forward and you need to do business with God, do that. If it's in your chair, do that. But be honest. Because the truth is, no one here, myself included, has it all together. As hard as we pretend we do, we don't. The cross outs all of us. So what does it look like for you today to follow Jesus? Because you have the opportunity to walk out these doors completely different than you come in. Every encounter Jesus had with somebody in the gospel, they were different when they walked out. Why not you? Would you pray with me? So that's the question for us now. What does following Jesus look like for you? Is there areas in your life that you just need to lay down in? Say, Jesus, here it is. He knows anyway. He just wants you to lay it down to him because he has something more for you. Or are you here and what it looks like to follow Jesus is to begin a relationship with him for the very first time? If that's you, I just invite you to say this prayer. It's not necessary, but it may help verbalize what God is doing in your heart. And it's just to simply say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me. That's it. Did you just say that prayer? Because if you did, you made the greatest decision of your life. And I'm asking you to be bold. I want to count to three. No one's looking. And would you just put your hand up if you made that decision? One, two, three. Is that you? Everybody lay down.